this idea of shape has nothing to do uh, with our differences in terms of our physical shape. It has to do with how God made us. Not, not just our physical makeup, but our spiritual being. And that is based on God's purpose for our life. And my, my hope and prayer is that at the end of this series, all of us would begin to fulfill God's purpose on our life. That at the end of this series, we will not walk around being aimless and being lost as it relates to our purpose. I, I gave you this quote last week from Miles, the late Miles Monroe, where it says, where purpose is unknown, abuse is inevitable. That's such a profound statement. Because it means if you don't know the purpose of your life, you will use your life in an abnormal way. That's what abuse is. Abuse is ab to, to use something in an abnormal way. In other words, the normal way that your life ought to go is not going in that direction. And we can only find that in Christ because we were made with purpose for a purpose. Amen? I hope you have found uh, 1 Corinthians 12. And if you have, I'm going to ask you to please stand with me so we can read the word of God together. We will pray and then we will hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say to us this morning. Come on, just lift your Bibles up with me. Declare with me that this is God's word, not Pastor Omar's word. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are opened. And I better not go to sleep. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just remain standing and let me read for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another discerning of spirits. To another different kinds of tongues. 
to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Sovereign God, the one who is above all and before all, the great I am. We stand in humility and adoration of you, King Jesus, Yahweh, Yeshua, Emmanuel, God with us. Apart from you, we are nothing. For you are God and we are man. You are spirit and we are dust. You are great and greatly to be praised. And so it is with this humble attitude we come this morning, Lord God. The spirit of the living God, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would open our eyes to see your truth. Because unless that happens, we will remain blind. Open our ears to hear your voice. For unless you do that, we will not hear. Open our minds to understand the things of the Spirit. For if that doesn't happen, we'll only have natural desires. Open our hearts to receive everything that you have in store for us. We pray in the name of Jesus that we'll be more than mere hearers of your word, but doers also. Lord God, this is your moment and this is your time. And so we give you all the glory and the honor and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Uh, I brought back my, my bag of puzzle pieces and in fact, didn't say this in the first service, but my, my eldest son keeps saying, we need to do this. We need to complete this. And the reason why he wants this to be finished is because he loves the picture. He says, it's such a beautiful picture. I want the puzzle to be completed. And that's such a profound thing. When he said it to me, it was like, wow, God has used my son to bring revelation to me. Finish the puzzle because the picture is beautiful. He wants to see the completed picture. Because there's no beauty in this. It's all jumbled up. What he wants to see is not puzzle pieces. He wants to see the picture. Same thing, because we, we are the puzzle pieces. And we need to complete the puzzle so that the picture can be seen. And so I will have to go and get him one to do. Because he just wants to complete the puzzle now that he has seen it. So I have my puzzle pieces this week again, and we're going to use them. Because we want to complete the puzzle so that the picture can be seen. As parts of Christ's body, we want to complete the puzzle so the picture that God purposed in his mind long before the pieces were set apart can be seen. And God can be glorified. Amen? And so it means that like each puzzle piece, you're uniquely shaped for 
God's purpose on this earth. We said that last week. Uniquely shaped for God's purpose on the earth. What is that shape? The S is for spiritual gifts. H is for heart or passion. A is for abilities. P is for personality. And E is for experiences. And by experiences, I speak of vocational experiences, relational experiences, spiritual experiences, and even painful experiences. All of these experiences are, is a part of your life to help you fulfill God's purpose here on earth. The thing is, with, 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 with this puzzle I have is, it's kind of funny because um, one of the, 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 the strategies in completing a puzzle is to really find all the ends. When you find all the ends, you set up the end and the border, and then you fit it. That's how you do it. You find all the ends, and you put the ends together. You put them together, and you have the, the, the borders. All right? But do you know that if you do all of that with the puzzle and don't have the center pieces, the picture won't be completed? So though I start with the ends, it doesn't make the ends more important than the middle. That means that none of us are more important than any of us. I'm not more important than you, and you're not more important than me. We're all important to make the picture that God had in mind complete. Amen? So we're going to look at shape. And the first thing I want us to know this morning is that God gave us gifts. He gave us gifts to fulfill our purpose and to serve others. The gifts that God has given you are to be used to fulfill our purpose here on earth. The purpose of which we were created. And they are to be used to serve others. Serving people is part of our mandate. That's not a church mandate. That's a God, God mandate to man. Jesus Christ himself said, he came to serve and not to be served. And if we are going to be examples of Jesus on the earth, part of our ambition in life must be to serve people. But most of us growing up want people to serve us. Most kids don't try to find ways to serve their parents. I have to ask my sons to do stuff for me. They don't have a, nat a natural inclination to get up and say, Daddy, would you like us to make breakfast? Or Daddy... Um, would you like us to iron your clothes? Daddy, can we, can we wash the dishes? No, they don't. That is why I know we are born in sin. <laughs> if you want to know if you are born in sin, check how, how kids operate. And you will realize that we really are born <laughs> in sin and shaped in iniquity. I'm, I'm telling you. But here's the thing. It's a natural inclination of parents... To serve their kids. I don't wait until my kids ask me. I do it. It's a part of maturity in life. Is a change of mentality. 
you move from wanting to be served to get into a place where you are serving. Amen? So God gave us gifts to fulfill our purpose and to serve others. God gave us four gifts when we accepted Christ. So he gave us four gifts, and we have to understand these four gifts before we can actually get into spiritual gifts. So let me give you them quickly. The first gift that we were given, every person who accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior received these four gifts. If you're a born-again believer, you have received these four gifts. The first one is the gift of forgiveness. And that gift says, I am forgiven. You have been given a gift. Forgiveness of sins is a gift from God. It's not something that you work for or you purchase. It is a gift from God. Amen? What does that mean? What does that mean? It means that my past sins, my present sins, and my future sins are taken care of. Now, people understand past sins. People understand present sins. You know what people don't understand? Future sins. Because it is a gift, the gift has already been given. And when the gift was given, the scripture says, all my sins have been forgiven. And if it, the gift is given once for all times, it means that the moment I receive the gift, is the moment all my sins are covered. Where is that passage? Is that really in the Bible? Ephesians 1 verse 7 says this. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. According to the riches of his grace. See why this is important is that most people carry, their, carry this constant burden of guilt and resentment. One of the things that hold people back is this idea feeling guilty over stuff. And you feel guilty because you don't understand the power of forgiveness. Are you hearing me? We don't understand the power of forgiveness. It is because my sins in the future are forgiven why I walk free today. In other words, my relationship with Jesus is strengthened. I am not trying to not sin. I am trying to serve God. I'm trying to love God. And the more I try to love on God, is the less time I have for sin. When I don't know that I'm forgiven, I live my life trying not to sin. And the more I try not to sin, is the more I sin. I walk in freedom when I forget about focusing on sin and focusing on God. And that is because of being forgiven. Because I know that I have been forgiven, I have no guilt. The devil cannot use guilt to get me to feel condemned. Why? Because I am forgiven. What's the second gift? The second gift is the gift of eternal life. Romans 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Simply mean, God wants you to be with him in heaven forever and ever. Hallelujah. Listen, God wants you to spend not just time on earth with him, but time in eternity with him forever and ever. You can imagine how much God loves you. That he's saying that as long as you shall live and even in death I will be with you. It, not even the marriage covenant is so fulfilling. The marriage covenant says until death. So after you die we separate. In other words when I die 
my wife can move on. Jesus said, when you die, it's just started. It's getting sweeter. Marriage ends. When the death ends the marriage, Jesus says, death begins a new stage of the marriage. He wants to be with you forever and ever. If God wants to be with me forever and ever, it means that he's going to someday see me as sinless. See how powerful that is? I have been given the gift of eternal life. God says, I want to be you. I want you to be with me in heaven forever and ever. It means I can't, the scripture said, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. It means you can't work for it. You can't earn it. You are not good enough to get into heaven because heaven is perfect. People say, well, that was a good person. You, you cannot be good enough. Because heaven is perfect, you cannot get into heaven based on goodness. Because you'll never be good enough to be perfect enough for a perfect heaven. Can't buy it. You only receive it. As a free gift from God. The third gift that we receive is the gift of the Holy Spirit. I have the gift of forgiveness. The gift of eternal life. I have the gift of the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. So listen, don't, if you are born again believer, don't let people tell you that you don't have the Holy Spirit. The only way you can be saved is if you have the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you are not saved. The moment you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the Spirit of God comes and lives on the inside of you. Wait to hear me. A amen? No, but, but I don't speak in tongues, Pastor. It, it's okay. The Lord never tell you that when you get saved, you're going to speak in tongues. Do you understand me? That's a different thing. The moment you get saved, with or without tongues, Jesus comes and lives in your heart. And that is not a physical person but a spiritual person called the Holy Spirit. Acts 2 verse 38. Because scripture is always good to 39. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of sins. And you shall receive what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to all who are afar off as many as the Lord God will call. How do you know when the Holy Spirit is in control of you? How do you know that you have the Holy Spirit? I know I have the Holy Spirit because of a, a, a love and there is joy and there is peace and there is patience and there is kindness. There is goodness, there is faithfulness, there is gentleness and there is self-control. The attributes of the Spirit flow in my life. So don't ever let someone tell you you don't have the Holy Spirit because you're not speaking in tongues. The evidence of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. You need to speak in tongues, yes. But where there is the fruit, watch this, where there is the fruit and no tongues, I trust the Spirit as is at work. But where there is tongues and no fruit, I don't trust that the Spirit is at work. You see, I can't, I can't understand fruit and know if it is real fruit or not. Sometimes I don't understand tongues because I don't have the gift of interpretation. So it could be false tongue. 
But you can't have false love and false joy and false peace and false patience and false kindness and false goodness. I can measure those things. Amen? Next gift is, is, is a spirit. We have received spiritual gift. Verse 1 of our text says, this is 1 Corinthians 12. Let me read from the NIV translation. Now about the gifts of God, brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters this morning, those online, I don't want you to be uninformed. Some scripture says I don't want you to be ignorant. In other words, my purpose this morning is to focus on the spiritual gift, to inform you about the spiritual gift. And, and there are abilities you need to get the job done that God wants you to do. So it, how, many, how many of you believe that God wants you to do something? Just put your hand up. That, it, it may not be a lot, but you are sure that there is at least one thing that God wants me to do while I'm on it. All right, amen. So if God wants you to do something, you know that God is going to give you what you need to do this, do this something that God wants you to do. If the Spirit of God wants you to do something, the Spirit of God is going to give you by the Spirit what you need to do, what God has asked you to do. So the fact that you believe that God wants you to do something means that there is the opportunity for you to have what you need to do what God has purposed you to do. But most believers don't know that they have these gifts or these abilities, much less what they are. If you ask people, what is your spiritual gift? Me don't know. God wants you to do anything? I think so. But I don't know what it is. So how old are you now? I'm 65. And you don't find out yet? You die at 70, you know? Anything after 70 is bonus. Are you hearing me? God says, I gave you these to fulfill your purpose. And serve others. So verse 7 of our text says, Now to each one, to each one, the manifestation of this spirit is given for the common good. To each one, each one, each one is a puzzle piece, but it is for the common good of the picture. Each one, each one of us in here, we have those online, each one of us has a gift. That comes together to make the picture look good. That is why it is important that you use your gift. Imagine if the puzzle had none of the middle pieces. Or none of the corner pieces. If the right corner was out, there's going to be a problem. So each one is given a gift. So that all of us can look good and benefit from that one gift. What is a spiritual gift? It is what he gives you. For you to fulfill your purpose. That's what it is. It is given to you the moment you accept Christ. So if you have accepted Christ, you have a spiritual gift. The other thing is that you don't get to choose the gift. The scripture says, to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given. It's not taken or chosen. It is given. And that is why be wary of people who come and say, listen, I want to be this, I want to be that, I want to be this, I want to be that. You don't get to choose what you want to be. The creation can't tell the creator what it wants to do. Because the creator creates with purpose and intent. So before you get to choose, it was already chosen. 
You don't choose what to do. You are chosen for what needs to be done. Amen? You can earn it. You can't work yourself into the gift. And it's a boy. You know, I go, I go seminary. You know how long I've been laboring in the vineyard for the Lord? I must time now. Need a big gift. No, you don't earn it. It's a gift. It's not given for your benefit. It's given for God's fulfilling God's purpose and for serving others. And, and so 1 Peter 4 verse 10 in the New Living Translation says this. God has given each of you, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety, a spiritual gift. And then it says this in the, in the New Living Translation. Use them to serve one another. Each one has been given a gift from his great variety of gifts. Use them to serve one another. When I use my spiritual gift of teaching, you get blessed. When you use your spiritual gift, I get blessed. And so do other people. When the singers use their gift, you get blessed. When the person in media use your gift, you get blessed. So we want to be blessed from you. It's a blessing to people when you use your gift. And the problem is, a lot of us are waiting on money to bless people. When you have a gift that is dormant in you, that would be a greater blessing to people if you just begin to use it. You're not just on earth to make money. You're here to fulfill purpose. And that purpose is to maximize the gift of God, the spiritual gift that is in you, to do what God placed you on earth to do and serve others. What are you waiting for? I use in my puzzle. I told you this last week. The worst thing that could happen is at the end of this puzzle, I find out that a piece is missing. It just messes up the whole thing. One of the things when, when the puzzle piece is missing is that it causes me to put wrong pieces in wrong places. When one gift is absent, it messes up the whole picture. It causes us to take something. Something is not going to fit right. In other words, if I remove the corner piece from the puzzle, it's going to be hard for it to stay stable. If I remove the middle piece, there's going to be a hole in it. There's going to be a void. Every gift is important. That is why everyone needs to be doing what they ought to be doing. Amen? If you don't develop those gifts that are dormant, then we all get cheated. Over 20 gifts. And we're going to look at these gifts in our small groups this week. Right? And so I want you to get connected to a cell group this week. Get connected so we can, because they're going to be going through the gifts. They're going to be looking at them and talking through them in cell group to help you to identify the gift of God in you. You see, spiritual gifts are different from natural abilities. All right? When you're physically born, you're born with natural abilities. All right? So I have some natural abilities. I'm a very good domino player. I was just born with the natural ability to drop six low. That's just it. I mean, that, that's part of my natural ability, right? I'm just, I'm just, I mean, I, I, I was not born with a natural ability to cook. 
And some people have the natural ability to cook. I mean, like I said last week, if you give them a dog, you eat it and think it's curry goat. I mean, they are that good at cooking. I mean, they can cook almost anything. You, you understand me? I mean, that's not my natural ability. Those things are a part of you, your natural makeup. All right? It has nothing to do with the spirit of the God. And, 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 the, when I drop a six love, it's not the spirit of the Lord. I don't need to pray to drop six. You understand me? Just, I don't, I don't, listen. Let me just say this. Sir. I don't need God's help to drop six love. I'm telling you. Right? But when you are born again, you are born of the spirit, you get a new set of spiritual abilities. So your natural birth gives you natural ability. Your spiritual birth gives you spiritual abilities. So when you are reborn, God now gives you some spiritual gift so that you can do some spiritual stuff. What's the difference? Spiritual gifts produce spiritual results. Natural abilities produce natural results. For example, they are very good Bible teachers, even in seminaries and those places. But there are some spiritually gifted Bible teachers, and there is a difference. The Bible teacher gives us information, but the spiritually gifted Bible teacher provides stuff that leads to transformation. Because one is spiritual, one is natural. There are some persons who will come in here and out of their natural ability, maybe they have the natural ability to teach. They can take the word of God and teach it and it makes a whole lot of sense. But they are not spiritually gifted, so the spiritual aspect of it is absent. So there is no transformation, but there is a whole lot of information. Amen? Hallelujah. But before we speak, more about spiritual gift. Let's all celebrate these gifts. The gifts of forgiveness. The gift of eternal life. The gift of the Holy Spirit. And say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you that I am forgiven. Thank you that I have the gift of eternal life. And thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, clap your hands for Jesus. I'm forgiven. I have eternal life. And I have the Holy Spirit. Now I want to give you four reasons why we need to know our spiritual gift. Four reasons why we need to know our spiritual gift. Number one, because they shape our work. Our spiritual gifts shape our work. Jesus said, I must work the, the work of the one who sent me while there is still time. Paul goes on and says this, life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by the Lord. I want you to know that God has work for you to do. Specific work. It is specific to you. You can't expect me to do it. Why? Because you are shaped to do it. I'm not. And so, like I said in the first service, there are some people who I can't relate to. Not because I am a poor communicator, but my shape doesn't allow me to tolerate certain things and nothing is wrong with that. All right? That sounds awkward, but let me help you. I don't have a problem talk to, talking to young men who, I mean, look, Probably to you, you will not talk to them because of how they dress and the bleaching on their skin. But and they smoke weed and you, listen, I relate to them very well. But that has to do with my experience, my personality, some natural abilities, my heart for that kind of person. 
all of those things and my spiritual gift. You relate to people who work in banks. And nothing is wrong with that. You don't have the same heart for the young men out there. And it doesn't make me better than you. It's just how we are shaped. And that is why it is important because there are some people who are waiting on you to use your gift. That I won't be able to reach because my gift and abilities don't allow me to because I don't know how to relate to them. And if you don't, then who is going to do it? There's a specific work for you to do for a specific people. And that is why some people, have you ever been in church and you wonder how, so, how they don't pray for um, the, ladies, the, the ladies of the night, the prostitutes? You say, why the church don't have an outreach to go and look for the prostitutes? And you wonder that. You know why you feel that way? Because you have a heart for them. I don't. And, and you may think, oh, that is so terrible. No, it's not. Because the people who I have a heart for, you don't have a heart for them. God never gives us work to do without giving us the ability to do it. That's called your spiritual gift and they are lying dormant in you. You have all the ability you need to do what God has called you to do. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 4 to 6. This is our text. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. In this text, in the NIV, three times the word used is different. Come on, just say it with me. Say different. Say, say with me. It is okay. To be different. It is okay to be different. It is okay to be different. In the church, people, here's the thing I don't like going to people's yard. So I can't run the visitation ministry at the church because nobody is going to get visit. And, and, and it is very unfair for someone to say, you see all pastor, what kind of pastor that don't like to visit people? People seek and, no. So here's what. So God put people in the church who love people yard. And nothing is wrong with that. They are the visitation team. If you understand my experience, you'll understand why I don't like visit people yard. Growing up, I was told, don't leave the yard. And when I left the yard, I would feel the yardstick. So I was taught to turn on the yard. God understands that. I will do it at times, but that's not my heart is not to go to people's yard. You probably grew up where your parents would always go over and visit Sister Sarah. And go down to auntie, and go down to granny, and go down to uncle. And you go check your cousin, and you go check all. Listen, and you go over your neighbor and share dinner. Let, that was not my thing. So I need you. And nothing is wrong with me. And nothing is wrong with you. We are just different. Every piece in this puzzle is different. But it makes the one picture that's what the scripture is saying. 
So don't try to copy anybody else. Don't try to be Pastor Omar. Don't try to be like anybody else. You're unique and God, God made you to be you. Come on, put your hand chest and say, God made me to be me. If all these pieces were the same, we would not have the picture. Don't try to copy anybody else. Knowing your spiritual gift answers questions like, what's God's will for my life? When you know your spiritual gift, it kind of points you into what God's will for your life is. The gifts explain where you're supposed to be headed. When you know the gift that God has placed in your life, you know where you're supposed to be going. You know what you're supposed to be doing. But they not only do that, they explain why people see things differently. Do you know almost all of us see things differently? God is so amazing. Look around you. Do you realize that there's no two people in here who shape the same? When last have you found someone who shaped just like you? It's such a difficult thing to find someone with your exact physical shape. Even twins are shaped differently. And triplets. So we don't shape the same physically, but we try to be the same spiritually. We all see things differently. So I'm going to illustrate something for you. I need my bottle of water right there. I hope you can see me. Uh, those of you are online. This is a good bottle of water. It can, can drink it. All right. I know some of you are going to object to what I'm doing. But it's all right. I'm still going to do it. Hallelujah. I know what some of you are saying right now. And that's not holy water. It's just um, Blue Mountain spring water, right? So don't, don't try to step in it and see if you'll get holier and say it's holy ground. It's not going to work. So now, I'm going to look at six gifts. Six different persons saw this. The person with the gift of exhortation says, that's what happened, Pastor, when you're not careful. If you're careful enough, the water would have not spilled. They are correcting something. That's the gift of exhortation. Nothing is wrong with that. From what they saw in the picture, that was a correct assessment. The person who is merciful with the gift of mercy says, It's okay. Don't worry about it. Everybody does that. That person is trying to re relieve the embarrassment of the water spilling from me. You know? The, the, the serving person says, let me help you clean it up. It's because you're trying to help meet a practical need. The person with the gift of teaching <laughs> walks in and says, the reason it fell over is because it was too heavy on one side of the bottle when you were leaning it. That person is trying to figure out why. The person with the gift of giving walks in and sees the same picture and says, I'll be glad to buy you another one. That's to be a practical blessing. The person with the gift of administration 
walks in and says, you, get the, you go get the mop. We'll get a new bottle of water. You help me clean this up. All the gifts saw the same picture and all the gifts reacted differently because all the persons are different. And all those reactions are good. There's no wrong one. In the church, when you have issues, when you go to the giver, you get a different answer than when you go to the teacher, than when you go to the person in administration. Amen? But we all need all of those persons in the church because we need all of these different advice when we have problems. We need someone who is going to help us to buy another one. We need someone who is going to help us correct the mistake. We need someone who is going to teach us why it happened and how not to help cause it to happen again. We need someone who is be able to say, listen, let's, let's put a budget together to manage and work this well. We need all of the gifts working. The problem is, imagine if all the gift is just given. Imagine if it was just a teacher. Imagine if the person there was mercy that everybody would get away with everything. Are you getting this? All the gifts are important. And that is why you are important. They shape our work. Our gifts show our worth. They show our worth. God has put some valuable gifts in your life. And the reason you have value is because of what God says about you. The value of your life is dependent on what God says about you. Not what people say and not what you think about yourself. Your value is determined by what God says. And there are three things, there are three places where real self-esteem comes from. And if you get these three things right, you'll never have self-esteem issues. Here are the three things. You must believe that God created you. He thought up every detail of your life before you were born. You want to have real self-esteem? Believe that God created you. The second thing is you want real self-esteem? Believe that Jesus died for you. Because that shows how valuable you are. That the Son of God would give his life for you. If you want to have real self-esteem, believe that God's Spirit lives in you. He has gifted you with certain spiritual gifts. And that are these three things determines your value more than anything else. God created you. He died for you and his spirit, live, his spirit lives within you. And so Ephesians 2 verse 10, Paul says, For we are his workmanship, his masterpieces, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Three things that will lower your self-esteem. And you have to avoid doing these three things. You have to avoid copying, comparing, and projecting. So don't copy. You learn this in school. You look over the kid book and they say, listen, don't copy. Your teacher said to you, don't copy. Don't copy. Don't try. Be an original. Don't be a copy. Be an original. Don't compare. If you compare yourself with people, you're going to compromise your standards. Don't compare. Don't project. 
You see, when you're cupping, you're saying, I wish I were like you. You can wish you were like me. I, I, I am glad I'm not like you. I'm, I'm, listen, I don't want to be you. You're not as cute as me. You're not, I don't want your experience. I used to hear kids say, hey, they used to call me by my surname. They said, hey, Stenet. Boy, I'm tell you, sorry, say, all your father and my father. Me? Me say to them, say, me sorry, say, sometimes my father and my father. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you. Because, you listen, sometimes you wish for some things. You don't know what you're wishing for. I've heard kids say that, listen, I wish my parents were so-and-so. But until you go there, you don't realize that your parents are the best thing for you. You see somebody else, marriage, and say, boy, I wish my marriage was like that. And then when you get in there, you say, oh my God, what did I wish for? You look at your Beyonce and wish I was shaped like that. And then you try to, and then you realize, I cannot maintain this. I wish I were taller. Why? Because somewhere, somehow, somebody told you that tall is attractive until you meet a short person that you really love and them say you're too tall. Don't compare, don't copy, and don't project. And we have this thing where I wish you were like me. It's projection. Like we like to tell people, boy, if, if everybody in the church were like me, church would be better. Really? Church would be worse. Too much of anything is not good for nothing. That's what the old people say. Too much of you in the church are too much of me. Listen, if you had one more of me, you wouldn't stay in here. Come on, because just look at and say, Jesus, we thank you for one. you. Can you imagine if the person you work with, there were 10 more like them beside you? Imagine if you had 10 husbands like the husband you have. Or 10 wives like the wives that you have. Just imagine if the church were filled with persons called Pastor Omar. Same way. You, you would not be able to deal with God. Listen, God is so, God, listen, I've never seen common things being celebrated. Whenever things get too enough, people start throwing them away. If you have something and you see everybody start wearing it, you know what you do? It's too common. You stop wearing it. When there are too much of one thing, it loses its value. Part of what determines your value is that one. You are the only one. So your value never changes. Amen? Don't change your value by being a carbon copy. It also means that every part of the body is needed. Romans 12, 4 to 5 says, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. 
It means you are needed. You are needed in this church. You are needed in this community. You are needed in this country. You are needed in this world. If you weren't needed, God would not have made you. We need you in this church. You're part of the picture. And we need your help so the picture can look good. You make us look better. Come on, just, if you could look at somebody and just say, get in the picture. I mean that there's no little people in the family of God. Every role is important. Now, let me pick up my puzzle again. Here we go. Ah, can you imagine if one of my puzzle pieces says, hey, listen, man, I can't bother with this thousand piece puzzle. I want a bigger puzzle than this. This is too small. This is now, the spirit now moved to right over here, sir. We want Holy Ghost and 19. Fire church. So listen, may I come out of this? About, I am coming out of this. I need to find a better puzzle to be connected to. Only to go over there and realize that. You see the 10,000 piece puzzle? The pieces are smaller. So you too big. You can't fit over there. <laughs> because the bigger the picture, the smaller the piece. <laughs> I do it. Listen, when you when you when you're big in a small church, when you go to a mega church, you, you get you're minimizing the mega. When you go in the mega, mega church, you get minimized because there are so many. You, you understand me? This puzzle piece decide that he wants to go in a big puzzle. You're not going to fit. Stay where you're planted. Fit in so you can grow. Romans 12, 14 to 18. For in fact, the body is not one member but many. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be, where would be the hearing? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Amen? They not only shape our work determine our work, they also share our worship. Using the gifts that God has given you is an act of worship. John 15 verse 8, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. God is glorified when we bear fruit, and bear fruit is a next way of saying, use what God has given you to do what you're supposed to do for God. In John 17, verse 14, it says, Jesus Christ says, I have glorified you on the earth. And, and how did he glorify God on earth? I have finished the work which you have given me to do. You want to glorify God on earth, here's what you need to do. Finish the work that God has given you to do here on this earth. Amen? You see, God doesn't expect you to be talented or gifted at everything. No! He just wants you to use what he has given you. You don't have to be good at everything. Just be good at what God has given you, the ability and the gifting to do. Not only that, our gifts, they shine our witness. Matthew 5, 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Our gifts, when they are used, it is a witness to other people. It's a testimony to other people. 
When I use my gift as a testimony, people look back and say, boy, I can't believe that that is you. When I think about who you used to be when you were a little child, look how you reach yourself. And I say to them, it is the Lord who has brought me here. When we begin to use our gift, people marvel because people never know. That's the thing when you operate in your spiritual gift. People can say, whoa, you? No, I can't believe you. When I think about how much trouble you used to give as a child, how ill-mannered you were as a child, how you lose those tushas, tushas, whatever the word is, as a child, you now turn big worship leader and I praise God so with anointing. No, sir, something wrong. How this happened? Say, it is the Lord to do it. You who was a silent in class and you couldn't even read properly, you preaching, yeah, it is the Lord's doing. It becomes a witness to others. You who, I mean, how you, how you know this? No, sir, you, what you couldn't read? Which school you go to? Oh, you never did graduate from high school. Are, are, are you, you never have a child when you were 15. How come you, were you there in a church? Hold on there, hold on there. How this happen? No, sir, this must be a miracle. That's your reaction. It becomes a witness. You don't have to be an evangelist to evangelize. You just need to develop your spiritual gift and be who God has called you to be. So one of the greatest dangers in the church is one shape fits all. You know what time people start telling me, Pastor, you know what say the church where me used to go, them used to do this, go on back there. Because I'm not trying to be like any church. I'm trying to be what God wants us to be. Hey, Pastor, you must try this. Listen, I can't try everything. If I try everything outside of me, I'll never be me. We can't be like everybody. We need to be like us. It's okay to be different. I know this because there was Peter, Paul, the blind man, Matthew, the Samaritan woman, and Tabitha. And all of these persons were evangelists. And all of these persons evangelize. And all of them use a different style. When you go home, read Acts chapter 2. Peter's evangelical style was very confrontational. Peter confronting. Ramp, serious man that, hey, repent or perish, you know. <laughs> Think me easy. Peter said, make sure you're not eating any pork. If you eat pork, you perish. So anything else, Peter, know that. You ready for baptize? life to the Lord right now. You don't want to baptize, all right? Come on, business. You, repent! Yeah, man. Confrontational. In fact, he was so confrontational that he Paul had a dispute. Paul said, brother, listen, you stay around here, so me go down here, so it's not going to work. Paul was, in Acts 17, he realized that Paul used the intellectual style of evangelism. Paul was very intelligent. So Paul got to the people who thought they they were highly educated in Acts 17. And he talked to them. And people were like, whoa. Because they thought like the regular church people couldn't talk to them. Because the church people, they were never too bright. And Paul says, all right. You know who this is? Paul. And when Paul opened his mouth and started speaking, intellectually, people started believing in Jesus Christ. Then he had the blind man. The blind man wasn't Paul. He wasn't Peter. The blind man said, hey, me don't know about Paul. Me don't know about Peter. Here's what I knew. I was blind, but now I see. I don't have a scripture. All I have is a testimony. His style was a testimonial style, and people believe. Amen? Matthew 
Wasn't like Paul, wasn't like Peter, wasn't like the blind man. Matthew was a tax collector. Matthew had an interpersonal style. Matthew said, listen, come on me all here. Cook some food, give you. You understand me? Yeah, man, I'll cook some rice and peas and chicken. And when you don't eat that, me know, so you go say, boy, the man are kind of you serve God. He had a interpersonal style. The Samaritan woman who Jesus met at the well, all she did is, come see a man. She had an invitational style. She said, me not, I don't even know what to tell you. All I want you to do, come with me. I'll meet the person. Different form of style of evangelism. Tabitha in Acts chapter 9. They were serving people. Serving people. And by acts of service, many were saved. You don't have to be an evangelist. But use the gift that you have to evangelize. Amen? Are you getting something this morning? Alright, so we're going to close with these four things. How do you start using the gift God put inside of you? Now you're saying, well, pastor, that's very good, but how do I use it? The first thing you have to do, you have to discover them. You have to discover the gift. You have to know what it is. You have to know what they are before you can use them. And St. First Timothy 4, verse 14, the scripture says, Do not neglect the spiritual gift that is in you. How do you know the gift? Three things we need to do. You examine you evaluate, and you experiment. What do you mean by examine? That means you study spiritual gifts. I think at the end of last year, Pastor Ray did a whole series on spiritual gifts, right? And we are going to be going through these gifts over the next five to six weeks. And so if you're not in a cell group, you need to get in a cell group because they'll be looking at some of these gifts. They will be examining them. You also have to evaluate. Evaluate is what you are good at. And you ask people, what do you think I am good at? Now, if you are not involved in anything, no one will know what you are good at. Amen? Say, yeah, you kind of have to be doing something. Don't ask, you're not doing anything, don't ask them what you're good at. You're good at nothing. That, that's it. If you're not doing anything, you ask them, Pastor, what do you think I'm good at? Nothing. I have to see you doing something for know if you're good at it. Amen. 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 Now, then you experiment. You have to go out and try stuff. You have to be like me. The only ministry I have not served in is in on the praise and worship team. I served in children's ministry. I served in media and so on. I served in drama. I served in youth ministry, in small group, in camp, in counseling, in everything. In fact, I don't even know this. There's a time that I was playing guitar. I was playing guitar until somebody in the church got, a member of the church got to a night with me at one rehearsal. And I tell the church almost mash up the way them vexed and they don't want to mash up all the guitar. And they say, you be a kid be a nice top, you nice I'm a serious business inside the church. You know what I did from that day? I pack up the guitar and stick to preaching. But I was willing to try something because I needed to know. And look what the Lord has done. If you love something, but no one else thinks you're good at it, it's probably not your gift. Amen. Amen. It's probably not your gift. But do something. I've had persons who, they know they couldn't sing well. But they just said, listen, I'm going to try out some stuff. And they came on the worship team. And they sang, you know. And they know that they never sounded as good as everybody else, you know. 
but they were willing to do something until I'm not telling you to try out for the worship team, right? That's that's not the Lord speaking to you right there. So <laughs> I hope you don't think like that. But there are so many eras that you can get in. Just do something. Do something. Like someone came to me and they were giving me an idea, and I said, Great. I said, That's that's not that's not my thing. Like people always call me. I said, if God plays something on your heart, then do it. All you need is my permission. Amen. If you're going to do something in the church, I'll say, go ahead and do it. But don't give me the idea that God gives you and tell me to do it. You know, boy, we should be feeding street people. Hey, that's it. God has just blessed you with a glorious idea. Go and do it. I will support you. Amen. Some of you will say, well, I'm waiting for God to tell me what he wants me to do with my life. When the Lord speaks to me, I'll get involved. The truth is you can't steer a parked car. You have to get in gear. Volunteer for something, anything. Just try it for three months. And if it doesn't work, say, Pastor, me try it and it never works. But at least get involved and do something. The second thing is you have to dedicate your gift. Dedicate your gift. Romans 6 verse 13 says, Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. As some of you, you already know what you are good at. You are just not using it for the Lord. You're using it for yourself. You have a gift and you're using the gift, but you're using the gift to make some money instead of using it to serve the Lord. I'm saying that use it to serve God and serve people. Amen? Nothing is wrong if you benefit from it, but use it to serve the Lord. Number three, develop your gift. 2 Timothy 1, verse 6. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. You need to, you need to develop the gift because no gift comes fully developed. Gifts are like muscles. The more you use it, the more they develop. Now, you don't know this story about Lady Stenner, but let me tell you. When Lady Stenner started coming to the church, nobody knew she could sing. At that time, I was a youth leader. And part of what was happening is that I never had a worship leader. I tell her that I had to learn to play instruments. I had to learn to play guitar. I was trying to play the drum because, I mean, we had like 80 teenagers. And we had to be doing tracks and I had to be singing over. And I saw her. We were friends. And so she came to church. And I would hear her singing um, secular and so I say, all right, I mean, you can't hold a note for the secular song on one Friday night. She was at youth fellowship, and we were doing worship, and I said, hey, why don't you come up here? And, and I said, hold the mic for me, hold the mic for me. Try see if you can do this song. And I just walked off and left her, and she couldn't, and she started singing. All right, at first, she never really sounded. You understand me? She never really sounded. But, but you would not know that if you looked at her today. Because you're going to say, man, what an awesome worship leader she is. But it took years of developing. If some of you go back and listen to my first sermon, you'd say, hold on. Uh, Pastor, I'm so and so. Because the gift takes time to develop. People don't get good at it right away. It develops over time. And so it's okay to start off not knowing exactly how but it gets developed over time. Amen? When God gives you something, if you use it well, it gives. He gives you more. If you use the gift well, God will bless you. So you will use more and more of the gift. Finally, you deploy your gift. It means 
you put them into service. If you get on the field and you actually start doing something, that's it. Get on the field. Don't be, don't be a substitute. You know, some of us like to train. What are you training for? Nothing. Yeah, but we just keep fit. For what? You're going to the Olympics? No, something I'm going to run. We just, we just, yeah, we just, we just want to learn to sprint fast. Why? You're going to come? No, we just, I just want to sprint. Listen, don't just be in training. Get in the game. Amen? Having then gifts, differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. What's the best way to practice and develop and deploy and dedicate and discover your spiritual gift? I believe the best way is in a small group. A small group is the safest place. It is a testing ground. It's where I get started. It's where you need to get started. See, what is God's plan for the church? God's plan is, is really God saying this. I'll give every single person in the church different gifts. Then everybody has a place. Everybody has a role. Everybody gets involved. Everybody can contribute. And everybody gets rewarded. Imagine if we had no spectators in our church. What if everybody said, I know my gift. And I am using my gift. What kind of power, what kind of impact would we have on this world? Believe it would be unstoppable. If everybody discovered dedicated, developed, and deployed their gifts. The gift of forgiveness. The gift of eternal life. The gift of his spirit and spiritual gift. He gave those to you the moment you stepped across the line. Which of these gifts are still unwrapped by you? When you accepted my greatest gift, Jesus said, you get all these other gifts. You have, that, you have a gift in you. If you are born again, God wants to use that gift to fulfill the purpose in your life and to serve others. Listen, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I want you to pray this prayer. It's a prayer of dedication. It's just a prayer, really just saying, I'm dedicating my life, God. I know you are born again. And that's fine. We're just going to say this unto God. And we're going to dedicate our gifts. Starting today, it's a new beginning. We're going to use our gifts. Even if you're watching online. I want you to stand and just repeat this prayer after me uh, right now. Come on, just, just stand with me and, and lift your hands. If you're in your bedroom, if you're in your living room, if you're in your kitchen, wherever you are. Just by faith, just stand and just lift your hand. We rededicating to the purpose of God. We're going to make the church an, an unstoppable force in the world by using the gift of God in our life. Come on, just repeat after me. Say, Dear God, today I accept your free gift of forgiveness. I am forgiven. Thank you for forgetting everything. I've ever done wrong. I'm putting my trust in you, in your grace. Dear God, today I accept your free gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ. Because of what he did for me, I know I can't earn it. I 
can't earn my way to heaven. Dear God, I accept this free gift of your spirit into my life. Live through me and fill me with your love. Fill me with your joy and fill me with your peace. Dear God, I accept the spiritual gifts you put in my life. Help me to develop them, to discover them, to dedicate them, to use them to be the person you made me to be. Come on, let's lift your hands up and pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that every person watching online with hands lifted in faith, every person in this church with hands lifted by faith. I fan into flame by the Spirit of God, the gift of God in them. The administrators, those with the gift of giving, those with the gift of mercy, those who exhort, Lord, those who teach, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the worship leaders, the songwriters, the singers, players of instrument, persons involved in the art, computing, whatever it is, Lord God, those who are good at uh, cooking and serving others, those who love to visit and pray with people, pray for people. I pray that every gift will begin to function, that every piece of the puzzle will fit in its perfect place and complete the picture that God had in mind in the name of Jesus. I declare in the name of Jesus that as we begin to fulfill our purpose and walk in the gifts of God in our lives, the church, this church will never be the same in Jesus' name. I declare that we will be a force that destroy the works of darkness as we apply and deploy the gifts of God. We thank you, Lord God, and we bless you. For this is a new season when our spiritual gifts will be used for the kingdom of God and for serving others. We thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, just give the Lord a big hand clap this morning. Listen, I implore you again, get connected to a small group. And if you're online, you can do that. If you want to be connected to a small group, even if you're overseas, we can still connect you. Just please, just indicate uh, in the comment section, just say, uh, connect me to a cell, and we will connect you to a cell. Have a blessed day. Remember, we fast tomorrow, the final day of the 21 days. We pray from 12 to 12.30. And then we meet on Wednesday for Bible study. God bless you. And the praise and worship team will take us out with a song of praise.